0: Well, I just wanted you to know before I recorded this episode, I was doing a little bit of uh, web searching on what to call you guys. Um, You know, I wanted to call you podcasters, but really, that's apparently me. And so, I found some funny terms. You know, there's the super listener, there's the podcast, the pod snob. And the podcast hipster. So, just a little bit of a reminder about what this podcast is about. You know, we're not talking about um, how cats became, you know, a popular, a least popular pet over dogs, and how dogs are more popular. Than, I mean, this is not what we're talking about. We're literally here talking about how you run a practice. So, I just want to remind you that. So, hopefully, you're either an actual doctor, you're a Office manager for a doctor. Maybe you're married to a doctor, or whatever that might be. And so this is specialized knowledge for, and basically coming to you from a guy who gets, you know, frankly paid pretty well, and has a hell of a track record about turning doctors into multimillionaires. So, and this is, I'm, <laughs> to me, this is like a donation of my time. Quite frankly, I have a lot going on. And so, it's a chance for us to talk to people who normally wouldn't be exposed to the things we talk about, and, and I'm here to encourage you that it is absolutely possible for you to own your own practice and to thrive and do an amazing job with the patients and to make a lot of money, or an amount of money that is appropriate based on the amount of value that you deliver in the marketplace and any of the garbage you hear about, you know, doctors all have to go to work for groups and all this, that's nothing but disgusting propaganda, okay? Listen, if you're old and you're tired and you wanna sell your practice, so be it, but let's not ruin the lives of young people trying to tell them. And remember, one of the most important things for you to realize is that almost all knowledge is bias. And so it is important that you understand my bias, right? I, I don't care if you ever buy anything from me, it's not gonna change my life one way or another, but it's about the entrepreneurial spirit that I grew up uh, as a kid being excited about. It's about the opportunity that, you know, if you live in the greatest country in the world, to be able to have the freedom to do what you want to do, when you want to do it. And, you know, and by the way, if you're from another country, I'm not bashing your country. I have lots of clients from all over the world. and But, you know, I I think that, you know, America is still, you know, one of the easiest places to do business. And you could ask anyone from another country about that and they would certainly confirm that. So let's, and I picked the topic, right? so. I believe my last podcast was an interview uh, with a client of mine from Canada, actually, an 11-year client. And we we talked about his journey of, you know, a 3,000% increase over 11 years over the 50% increase he had over the previous 13 years. Okay. So, um, so today, what I want to talk about, right, and... This isn't, you're not all. by the way, you're not always supposed to agree with me, right? I'm supposed to push you. So think about this as like I'm coaching you and don't stop listening if I hit a chord. Most likely if I hit a chord for you, it's the chord you needed to have hit. And so today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite subjects and probably a subject that most people have no knowledge about, no interest about, and prefer to be, uh, uneducated about <clears throat> and so there's this interesting um, diagram and I'm going to see um, it's cool it's called the four steps of learning right and I was going to see if you just yeah I, I, if you just pull it up um, it might be called the four phases of learning I got to see if I can just find it to tell you where you where exactly you would get it but it it outlines um, uh, okay. Here we go. So it's actually Maslow's Abraham Maslow's four stages of learning. Okay, and and so it it maps up to you know it's a, it builds. Okay, and I'll, I'll go through the four steps with you. But today I'm going to talk about limits, and so limits are. You know, like, for instance, if you have kids, you know, you if you ever see a person with young kids and, and every one of us as a kid, you know, the world puts limits on you. Right. So that's why, you know, a kid will, you know, doesn't mind, you know, they're climbing up. They're not thinking about falling. Right. They only get fearful about falling after they fall because they don't know any better. Right. So there's no limit. It's like, screw it. I'm going to keep climbing. And, you know, they it just somebody who's fallen has to tell them that, oh yeah, yeah, this could be a potential problem. So today what I want to do is to get into your brain a little bit and let's talk about your limits. And so I've had the good fortune to literally test thousands and thousands of doctors uh, before they were successful, after they were successful, et cetera, et cetera. And we have certain tools we use. And uh, what what they do is they look at how you may get things done. So. You know, I'm sure all of you, you know, you you think about things like, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Actually, a lot of doctors are introverts, by the way. They're not extroverts. Right. They just sort of have to pretend that Uh, almost everyone who meets me is convinced that I'm an extrovert. Well, I'm actually an introvert. Right. So. I can become more extroverted when we're talking about topics that I feel very comfortable with, right? So same thing with you. So if I walk into your office and let's say you're a pediatric dentist, and so you know you're probably thrilled to talk about what you have been educated to do. So if you think about a lot of you, you know your confidence level uh, goes up when you're talking about a subject that you are very comfortable with and you are very competent with. Okay. So we're gonna start by this. I want to just if you'll write some of these things down so that you you can apply them to yourself. And so it's the exploration of your limits. And it's really funny, you know, because every single person has limits. And and so if we think about it, you know, if you for instance, sometimes people will say, um, if I like I get to go to a gas station or something, and somebody will say, Well, how many horsepower is in your car? And I just kinda of laugh. I'm like, I have no freaking idea. Like, but that person you know, they're, they, they think, right, so again, if you said 300 horsepower, they would, okay, all right, okay, if you say 600, or if you say, well, it's got a V12 in it, right, they go, oh, you know, and so what they're trying to understand is sort of the limits, right, um, and in life, we do that a lot, so we think a lot about limits, so for instance, if a patient walks into your office, your team usually, starts projecting limits, right? Right on the phone, they start projecting the limit. So what they'll do is they'll take their limit and smear it on the patient. So they'll say, okay, well, this patient called, I wanna make sure you have your insurance, send me your insurance information because their limit is, I'm not gonna pay anything out of pocket. So they inadvertently smear their limit onto the person, right? And this goes on a lot. You know, there's human beings, and so let me give you an example. Let's say you're married. I've been married now for 28 years. I think that's the right number, 28 years. And let me tell you something. If you were to ask my wife, right, uh, a question, uh, her limit is usually lower than mine. So, like, if you said, hey, do you like this? You know, would you like to buy it? She thinks in smaller numbers than me. So you could be in a relationship with somebody. As a matter of fact, most likely you are. So you would say to somebody, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm going to really want to grow my practice. And they say, like your own mother or your spouse or a good friend could say, well, I don't know if now's a good time to do that, blah, blah, blah. So people love to not only have limits, They love to spread them. (laughs) Okay, so I mean, and this is one of the key things about how you and I want you to write down because these are techniques to raise your limits. This conversation is about raising limits. And the very first thing is to understand when somebody is walking in a room or you're asking them something and the only thing that comes out of it is they actually either keep your limit the same or they suppress your limit. So I'll give you an example. One of the great ones for doctors that I've learned over the years is taking money-making advice from accountants. This is idiotic. I mean, because what the the customer never does is they never ask the accountant, well, how much money do you make? What is your AGI, right? Right. So the accountant thinks you, you don't want to pay any taxes. So if you have a limit on taxes, then you're also putting a limit on your income, okay? Uh, there's one called the spending limit trap. So for instance, if I said to you, well, how much do you spend to tell people about your office tell them where you are, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which you might think of as marketing, right, which is telling people who you are and what you do. And I I say, well, what is your limit? And you go, well, well, let me see. I don't even know what we spend. And the next thing you know, you sort of calculate it, and, you know, you're spending $500. Well, that's probably your limit. And I say, well, if I said to you, well, why don't you spend $5,000? Your system starts to break down. You go, no, I'm not going to spend $5,000 because it's over your perceived limit. So one of the things I want you to think about, and think about it this way, imagine an investment followed by a return, okay? And it's really funny, a lot of people don't know that limits are what really creates a lot of problems here. So for instance, the input is the investment, and that could be time, money, energy, and then the output, like what comes out of it, is the return. And so there's actually a correlation between the input and the output, which I'm sure you, you go, okay, Jay, I know that. But what you haven't thought through is how your own personal limits. And by the way, most of these are mental constructs. Okay. So most limits are actually mental constructs. So, and they are actually heavily related to what we call it's something called your MO. So it's how you do things. So, for instance, I'll go back to the example of my wife. We have very different MOs, okay? And so, her MO, and which is more like the having tested thousands of doctors, I actually, I kind of, I actually sort of have data that suggests that eighty percent of all doctors match a certain profile, and then about twenty are a different profile, okay? So, most likely, you fall in the eighty profile, and that eighty profile is actually also affects people's limits. So uh, I did an event uh, the other day. we do this customer appreciation event, and I was describing this to them, and I was saying, look, you know, if you think about it, if you have this particular profile, which I won't go into all of that the details that with you, but here's how your limit gets set. You have to, you have to actually do it. You have to actually see the evidence, And then, voila, that's your new limit. Well, now, but you also have the kind of profile that if I said to you, well, you've got to increase the input and I promise you'll get a better return, you would say, well, I don't believe that's gonna work. So in other words, your limit, but but, but you don't see it as a limit. So it's kind of the idea of I can ask and answer. So if I said, so for instance, Let's say we met and I was giving you advice. Like, here's how this typically would work: the person, what you should do is just do what I say. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. You shouldn't question it, but you will. So, and you'll be like, well, I got to put that through my supercomputer. It's got to go now through your subconscious mind, which holds a bunch of limits. Then it's got to go through, right, this steps of learning, which I'm going to go through here here in just a second. And most likely, and then if you're a certain profile the only limits, like the only level of comfort is what you've done. Now think about what that limits for most people in life. It limits lots and lots of things. Let me give you an example. If you go get a loan from a bank and they, they say, okay, like here's what a lot of people think about credit. They think, well, if the bank gives me the money, then I guess it's good, right? Well, no, that's actually not very smart. If they said I should pay it over 20 years, I guess I'll pay the minimum payment and pay it over 20 years. Like, that, 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 that makes zero sense. That's what makes the bank rich, you poor. So, but again, they have some limits. So, if I said, well, what's the limit for paying off your house? Okay, somebody might go, oh, my God, I don't know, like 15 years? I was like, how about seven, right? Like, and again... If the first thing you say is, well, I could never do that. Well, voila, welcome to limits, okay? So I come along and say, hey, why don't you pay your house off in seven years? And you go, well, I can't. That's a limit, okay? Well, yeah, but what you didn't realize is if you would get off your you-know-what and hustle and do what's right, you can make all the money to pay that house off in seven years without a problem. But you're because you've never done it, because you have no personal experience with it, You reject the idea because it's over your limit, you know? So again, you go out to dinner, what's your limit, okay? What's your limit for a bottle of wine? Some things are very common. They make sense, right? What's your limit to buy a car? A lot of this stuff does not make sense. But what I'm trying to say, if you think about a practice, I mean, my gosh, why why would you— one of the things you've got to do is if you're going to be successful at this, you're going to have to know how to increase your limits. And a lot of that revolves around, I want you to write this down is on tracking return. So I'm a client the other day, we're doing a customer event. events, probably 50 clients in the room. And so, you know, I, we asked the question to somebody said, Hey, uh, can somebody share a story? So this is a pediatric dentist, their partners. And, She says, Well, yeah, she said, I hired you guys and I was getting 70 new patients a month. And we said, Okay, well, after the first month, after you had an on site training, what did you go to? She said, It went to 120. (laughs) So I was like, Okay. So, okay, 70, that's 50 more new patients a month. And and she she made the comment, She said, We know I paid you guys a lot of money. And so I was like, Okay, here we go. And so Here's a great example. So in the first month, she gets 50 new patients. So I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me help you with some math. So took the 50 times 12. So if she would keep doing what we taught her, and most likely we can get more than the 50, okay, and then we multiply it times what a patient is worth, it was $1.4 million. So what happens to people who are unaware of how limits get developed? So her focus was on what she spent, not on the return. And so I said to her, I said, well, you guys are partners. And she goes, I didn't tell my partner. I said, okay, well, that was ballsy, right? But what you didn't really do is you're not focused enough on the return. So one of the things that limits does, and it can make you very kind of like tit for ish. It can make you literally have an aura around you that you're basically saying to the world, like, I'm such a limit person. I'm going to limit my rewards. Like, I'm I'm not going to... And it's really kind of creepy, ugly when you really break it down, but hardly anybody can see it. So nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, wow, I'm actually my own worst enemy. I choose not to do things that could produce an amazing return for me, right? I mean, it's kind of like a person working in an office. You know, you see people do this all the time. It's like... Well, I know what needs to be done, but it's not my job. And so I think I would be happier just having an opinion about what needs to be done and not actually just go take care of it, right? So again, then everybody looks around and says, okay, well, who's who's like highly motivated and who takes a lot of uh, initiative? And you're like, Susie? No, because she's just sitting around talking about what's wrong. So she has developed, or he has developed, a limit to where they can only take action in this limited little domain. So, what's in, so, and and what happens over time, and I need you to understand this, usually busy means limits. If you look at a typical practitioner, the model in and of itself, is that basically you would sell all your time and then you're at your cap. I mean, and so what happens to a lot of people is they just, they don't realize that's what happened. And I come in and I say, well, listen, let's get another doctor. Well, I, I can't get another doctor. All my patients love me. No, that's the mental limit that you construct. Your patients could care less. That's just something, that's a limit you made up.
1: Hey, you. Yeah, you. Do you think hiring an associate is a bad idea? Do you think gaining too many new patients will hurt your patient experience? Do you think marketing makes you look bad? Do you find it unrealistic to increase your revenue by $25,000 a month? Whatever you think is what will be. However, you can really push these limits, break through a practice growth plateau, and go as far as your mind lets you. Give us 30 minutes of your time to reset your mind and prove to you that you can do this. You can increase your new patients while simultaneously improving your patient experience. You can increase your revenue by $25,000 every month. You can grow when you have access to the right specialized knowledge. Find out how with a customized practice growth demo today. Schedule your demo at schedulinginstitute.com slash demo, and let us prove to you that we can push your limits, exceed your expectations, and grow your practice by 10 to 40% in the next 90 days. Schedulinginstitute.com slash demo, that's D-E-M-O. Now, let's get back to the show.
0: All right, so let me walk you through a couple of these steps, because I think you'll find them interesting. So... And let's see, and I'll try to make it easy, right? So, and the four stages of learning are interesting because here's the truth about everything you've never done, <laughs> which is kind of funny, right? So, like, let's say you said, well, Jay, uh, I, I want to make half a million dollars, okay? So, no problem. I can teach you how to make half a million dollars, right? As a matter of fact, so I'm, I've done it so many times. I'm so good at it. I probably am complacent with it. But you, if you've only made 100 or 200, you are unconsciously incompetent, right? So in other words, the first, the first stage is unconscious incompetence. We don't even know what we don't know. And all, if you think about this, like, that's why learning, so write that down, learning is in being a student, Learning and being a student is how you get rid of limits. It's not being a know-it-all. Uh, you may think I sound confident in what I know, but I am also an amazing student. So I am incredibly, I observe, I pay attention, I listen, I take like things I learn, I, 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 I know how to translate them into value. And, and so, right. So the question is, if you look at the size of your practice, what's, why is it the size it is? Oh, there we go. Because of your limit. What would it take to do to make it grow? Well, you might be unconsciously incompetent. You literally don't in, in unconscious incompetent. That means that there is, you don't even know you're incompetent. Think about that. Okay. Step two is Conscious incompetence. So usually people don't hire someone until they get to at least step two. A lot of people waste an awful lot of time in step one. And so all of a sudden a person has an epiphany. They go, I don't know what I'm doing, right? I mean, so again, if the money's not working out and all of a sudden you're borrowing a lot of money, you're not getting a lot of new patients, somebody calls and says, so like I said to her, I said, why did you hire her? She goes, well, I just, I couldn't figure it out. I said, okay. That means that they, she... She didn't say to myself, she didn't say to herself, I am now consciously incompetent. But a person who takes initiative. So, for instance, you know, if I hire a coach, right, I'm trying to train for a triathlon. I need to hire a swimming coach because I feel like I'm I feel like I'm consciously incompetent at my my stroke. You know, so so I'm totally there and I need to hire someone to help me. Okay, And then I ultimately can become consciously competent. So it's like, wow so part of taking your limits off is speeding up I mean it's funny, I think you should almost start at the second step with everything. I mean what like so I look at the world and I go, I try to start at step two with everything. I, I try not and and it's, it's not it, it, it's not possible but it's an aspiration okay so again with limits. So I'm not saying that, oh, I know how to do this perfect. I'm saying sometimes I still fall into the trap. But in general, I'm totally cool admitting I don't know something I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with that. And you shouldn't either. That's like the first problem with people. And it's funny, and particularly like a person who argues, like if you've ever watched like a bar rescue show or any of these shows – you know, I, I, I have learned that people will argue with you when it's not even working for them. Right. So like one of the best ones is like with what we do sometimes in training team members, like if somebody comes along and says, Well, I've been in dentistry for 15 years. It's like, Okay, next, what's next? (laughs) So it doesn't matter how long you've been in dentistry, you're still unconsciously incompetent, right? I mean, as a matter of fact, you may be so people will double down on their unconscious incompetence, right? So it's like if you ever people now on the internet, they get on and just basically expose their unconscious incompetence right and so if you can admit you're incompetent then you can move to learning what it takes to be consciously competent and then you get to what's awesome is you know when you talk about being in the zone or it looks easy that is unconscious competence so Once you get really good at treating a patient, right, you may be scared of people, but let's say you're a dentist, you may not be scared at all of their teeth, right? I mean, so you may be able to come in and do a procedure with, you know, your eyes closed, so to speak, not literally, but figuratively, so you're unconsciously competent, right? So if a doctor comes to me and they have a practice doing a million dollars and they say, I'd like to do 10 million, I mean – I'm unconsciously competent, I, and, and, but they're unconsciously incompetent, right? And, and if so imagine this. So one of the things that happens is that creates a lot of limits. All of a sudden, that information doesn't get transferred to the person because they are doubling down on the fact, almost like acting like they're consciously competent when they're unconsciously incompetent. Okay, look it up. Maslow's four stages of learning. And you can apply it almost to anything. Like, by the way, if you have kids and you go home tonight and your kid's arguing, trust me, they're unconsciously incompetent, okay? You got to just get them to consciously. And that's an important part about your limits. So pick what your challenge is, right, right now. So let's go over the top list of problems for doctors, right? So I can't get good people. Jeez, I'd hear that again. Basically what you're saying is you are unconsciously incompetent because you've never actually had to really recruit for people, okay? And the market conditions are exposing that, okay? So why don't, you should say, hey, I am aware, like it's fully conscious in me that I have no idea how to recruit talent, okay? That's what you should say. You shouldn't say, I can't get good people because that's doubling down on unconsciously incompetent. And there is nowhere to go. Once that limit gets ingrained, you're toast. And it actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, that's how that works. Like you think about it, you memorialize it. That's what it becomes. Okay. I can't get this team member to do something. No, 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 no. It is clear to me that I have not figured out how to say it, frame it, do it, so they'll follow a process, okay? And so, again, you ask for help. So, a lot of breaking through limits is acquiring assistance. A lot is getting knowledge from people who have done things and it, I just think so many people get tripped up with this so early in their careers, it's crazy. And then those limits become inherent. So again, let's go back. If Let's go back to the, let's talk about your relationships. So what is the likelihood that anybody in your life is going to be able to raise your limits? If you're the biggest hotshot around, like so in your family who's perceived as the hotshot, right? If you go to Thanksgiving dinner with your family, are they like, "Well, he he or she is a doctor," right? They think you're the smartest one in the room. Okay. Now, what I'm trying to say is, so are the people around you enforcing bad limits, encouraging bad limits, or are they moving your limits up, which in turn is moving your return up? OK, think about that. So it's funny. Our whole company is built upon how do we take a human being and how do we raise their limits? And so we've had to study these things. I mean, I I had to figure this out out of frustration. I was like, why does this person pick up on this and get great results? And this wasn't does did, didn't. And, you know, I've had to learn all of these things, not because... I mean, number one, I was interested in and I had to apply it to myself. But when you're teaching and you're training someone, these are the things that you have to get figured out. So listen, you have unhealthy limits inside your mind that and then we say, well, are the people around me? What is your process for breaking through those limits? And so I'll give you an example The the podcast we just did with uh, Dr. Yazdani. That whole podcast was about breaking through limits. I mean, it was you may have missed that. It was about what he was unconsciously incompetent about, how he became consciously incompetent, now avoiding complacency at all costs, because complacency is the next issue. So are the people you're around, so for instance, this is very much like, and you can see it in other things, and what I find is hard for a lot of doctors is, Listen, for most people to be like the most successful doctor in town doesn't take that much. I mean, you know, if there's a single doctor and they're doing two or three million bucks, I mean, these guys think they're like the bomb, right? So all of a sudden they, you know, they'll hire me. They'll come to one of my meetings and they're sitting next to a guy with a $10 million practice, right? All of a sudden you ain't such a big deal. All of a sudden you figure out, wow, I had a limit. I had one associate. He's got five. Hmm. So remember, one of the ways in which you break through limits is to put yourself in a position to learn, to be exposed to, to see things. Most likely, come on, most likely you have an entire team around you who you actually want them to keep putting limits on you because it makes you feel better actually incredibly uncomfortable i mean i'm basically saying to you right now that most likely and i need you to look at this it is possible that every single you have inadvertently (laughs) uh, unconsciously incompetent at putting together the people around you to challenge your limits to show you and to teach you To do the things you don't know how to do. And so now we come into this awesome intersection of how limits and faith come together. So for instance, in the... uh, So if we say, how do I raise my limits? How do I make more money to pay off my debts? How do I pay off my student loans in three years, not ten years? See, these are all things that you have to bust through the limit, get to level two. See, the minute you say, I want to figure out how to pay these loans off in three years. Now, all of a sudden, you're at step two. It's pretty awesome. But again, if you go home and you say you want to expand your practice and you go home and you say to your spouse, listen, I've been thinking a lot about this. If I invest $500,000 more in the practice, I can add seven more operatories. I think it's a great decision. And she, she or he looks at you and says, yeah, I just don't think it's a good idea. Think about all the debt. Think about all the debt. Like a lot of you have debt limits. Like people come to me and like, I got a lot of debt. It's like how much? It's like 300000 I was like, that's not a lot. See, because I know what you can make. So it's funny. When I look at someone's debt, I go, well, God, we could make that back in two years if you do the right thing. But in their mind, that's not the way they're looking at it. So I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me what your problem is. Like, I mean, is it money? Is it relational, right? It's just the problem is you and the problem is your limits. And the problem is are you doubling down on un- being unconsciously incompetent? And, and again, I, I, I want to use sometimes examples. I mean, think back about your childhood, right? Um, so, you know, uh, I went to play golf the other day. And I, I, I'm not a big golfer, but um, it I took a couple of the guys who worked for me out. To play. We went and played golf, and I had challenged them on something. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go play. And, and so I know, for me, for instance, I have a lot of limits in my head about golf. And... But at the end of the day, when you walk up to the tee box and hit the ball, right, hey, it's revealed what's going on. Every time you take a shot, right, it's like revealed what, you know, what, the, what the level of play is, so to speak, right? There's no hiding it, per se. So the market shows your limitations. Your checkbook shows your limitations. Your debts show your limitations. And what, I, again, I want to challenge you is, you know, you got you to know how to decode this a little bit. And so, I mean, how come I know how to raise people's limits so good, right? I mean, how, how, how do I know how to do that? And so this is what you want to learn. Number one, you always have limits. Number two, most likely, almost anywhere where you get trapped, it's unconscious incompetence. The minute you admit it, so every time you make an excuse, you actually are avoiding moving to stage two of learning. I mean, that's literally what you do every time you make an excuse that you, you avoid it. So if you say I can't find good people, well, OK, you're never going to get the answer. So the, how do you raise limits is you start reframing your language. You start saying, well, wait a minute. Is somebody finding people? Of course someone's finding people, right? It's kind of like, is someone rich? Yes, of course someone is rich. Does someone paid off their debts? Of course they have. But you don't know what they did. And this is the key about raising limits. So what we don't want to do, you know, and there's another term we use a lot, which is memorial. Like right now, what what I'll notice with people, particularly, by the way, let's talk about how to keep your limits for just a second, okay, because it's kind of funny. So then you say, "Well, wait a minute. What does a person look like who is just doubling down on their limits?" And 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 by the way, in competition, it's important to remember this. Most people are better at keeping their limits than changing them. Okay? I need you to get that. Most people are better So, here's like here here's one right now. So, admiring your problems okay like, like I will guarantee you in the last week you have admired a problem okay and what I mean by that is you you talk about it like like an old friend or something you know like well we just she can't seem to get enough new patients right I mean we are a startup or whatever, whatever it is or can't get good people or can't get a good hygienist or well, whatever, right? Oh, can't get a doctor. Right? Whatever your limit is, right? And so when you, when you do that, you don't move to the next stage of learning. You, you just stay there. You just stay put. So, again, apply it to anything, okay? And you also have to remember that the people with the least limits – are usually also the best students. You know, I always marvel at people say, how come LeBron James is still studying, right? How come Tiger Woods has so many coaches, right? And people, they, they, they think this doesn't apply to them. Like, oh, there's no lesson. Because again, even sometimes you'll say, well, I have a limit and I can't afford to hire a coach. That's BS. You absolutely can. Because if you understand investment in return, the return is usually in multiples of the investment. It's your limit. Again, I could tell you mathematically. Like one of the things we do is teach people these limits. Like I can take your practice, do some analysis. I can show you all your limits. Show you where you have to change the limit, and you change your return. Now, again, if you're not interested in it, it's not. You know, you're going to say, "Well, you've never been to my town." Oh, sure. Most likely, the person in your town who gets the most patients is either a client of mine, has been a client of mine, and they're doing things completely different. That's why they get all those patients. So you control whether you're going to change your limits. So I just want you to start identifying your limits, okay? And again, they're all over, and then I want you to look up Maslow's what I said four stages of learning you can probably find the document on the internet and start making the connection and then wherever you've raised the limit what you're going to discover is you admitted it and then you found the solution okay and again I'll give you just a horrifying statistic right 70% of doctors get all their practice management advice from their friends that is That is insane. That means that when you take advice from those people, they may have a lower limit sometimes than you. It's one of the things I try to teach people all the time. It's like, listen, it, so for instance, if you go home and you think, you know, in my marriage, we are high communicators. And so, you know, your spouse knows nothing about running a business, has no training experience. And you go you go home and you ask them everything and then you actually do what they say. That is, That makes zero sense. And then it has nothing to do with respecting the marriage. It has to do with the fact that, why would you ask a person who knows nothing about business and has lower limits than you what you should do? doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense. So it, let's start with just opening your eyes, looking around the world, and go, find someone's limits, right? See, <coughs> same thing with your team. Your team sometimes has limits. You I, the only way you're gonna get them over their limits is if you learn the technique of getting your own. So you wanna know what's the truth about your team? If you if you got a team member right now who's not doing something, most likely they are unconsciously incompetent. And if you get them to see that, then you got a shot. And if they and if you can't move them, then we're talking about a person who's uncoachable, which is, let me give you some code for that, never gonna change your limits, therefore never gonna change their return. So if changing limits is investment first, return second, service first, reward second. I mean, most likely you're on this podcast because like you want to be successful. You want to make enough money to feed the kids, go on vacations, do whatever. But again, you're always fighting the limit. You're fighting the limit of what you think you can do, what you know. So again, super easy. So let's just start it there. And then when I talk to you next time, we'll pick it up and kind of move forward. So, whew, limits. Not anybody else's. Start with your own. Where have you busted the limit? Where are you fighting? What's your language like? Are you honoring your problems or are you following a system to raise your limits? These are important things about your ability to grow. And so if you have the profile that is, I have to do it, it has to be, be proved. Imagine that's that's the greatest limiting factor you'll ever have in your life. No, you need to know better and you need to go, hey, uh, I admitted I couldn't do it. I got what I needed, not by asking someone for free advice, but by actually hiring a professional. Right? They told me what to do. I did it. It worked. Bam. Now I got a new limit. And don't ever put limits on your rewards, right? And that's where faith comes in. And listen, I don't think any person is just innately born, like I wasn't just born just having this massive amount of confidence. I have confidence in that system. I have confidence in that if I follow that system, I can move through those stages. And before you know it, I can be doing something at a level that's, and you've done it, there's no doubt. If you're a dentist or a chiropractor or a veterinarian, like, right, I, I could either come to you or bring my pet to you or whatever it is, and you can miraculously do something I don't know how to do because you went through these steps. All right, so get to one of my live events, uh, whatever it is. Come to – we have virtual events we do. Look for invites. Uh, but uh, let's take this to the next levels. So, all right, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care,
1: bye. Still think hiring an associate is a bad idea? Still think gaining too many new patients will hurt your patient experience? Still think marketing makes you look bad? Still think it's impossible to increase your revenue by $25,000 a month? If you made it through this entire episode and still think you've capped your potential, Maybe you have, not everyone is coachable and not everyone wants to grow, make more money and have a great impact on their communities. But for those of you that do, schedule your complimentary practice growth demo today. In just 30 minutes, we'll reset your mind and prove to you that you can do this. You can increase your new patients while simultaneously improving your patient experience. You can increase your revenue by $25,000 every month. You can grow when you have access to the right specialized knowledge. Find out how with a customized practice growth demo today. Schedule your call at schedulinginstitute.com demo and let us prove to you that we can push your limits, exceed your expectations and grow your practice by 10 to 40% in the next 90 days. schedulinginstitute.com demo, that's D-E-M-O.